What's going on, Clark? If I didn't know any better, I'd say you guys were on something. We're just having a good time. Not that it's any of your business. You ever hear of a phone? I'm sick of you just barging in like you own the place. It's really... I came here to tell you, Clark. I talked to Walden. He won't budge. He won't budge or you don't want me in the cave? Come on, don't lie to me. You're Lex Luthor. You pay a guy to do a job, he does what you tell him. Isn't that the way it always works? Clark. I'm gonna go into those caves whenever I damn well please. I dare you to stop me. Is this really about a term paper? You'd love to know, wouldn't you? I'm gonna go. So are you. I like to see you standing up for yourself, Clark. I really do, but be careful not to cross the line. <laughs> Is that a threat? I'm just giving you a friendly piece of advice. Let me give you some back. If you know what's good for you, stay the hell away from me. Somebody save me indeed. Hello and welcome to Farm to Fable, a Smallville rewatch fancast. I am your forever host, Michael, and I'm also the host of the RPG Academy podcast, where I talk mostly about role-playing games, but all tabletop gaming in general. I also organize a three-day gaming convention held in Dayton, Ohio, each November. Before we get started, please be advised that Farm to Fable may include adult language and reference adult behavior. Please consider us PG-13 in regards to content acceptability for your young ones. Also, this is your spoiler warning. While we will focus on each episode week to week, our discussions may and likely will reference the entire series run and the wider Superman mythos. You can email our show at smallvillefancast at gmail.com with any comments, concerns, or questions. Please follow us on Twitter at Farm2Fable and join our Facebook group page at Smallville Farm to Fable. With all of that out of the way, let's meet today's co-host. Oh, that's me. Hello, my name is Devin. Shark underscore bone. Woohoo! <laughs> well, Devin, let me be the first to welcome you back to, I think this is your third time as a I co-host? believe so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome. Always a pleasure to talk to you about anything, and it just happens to be Smallville this week. So we have kind of a interesting take on the Pass the Torch question. Caleb uh, gave us a role play prompt. Okay. So and rather than me asking you a question directly, I think we're going to answer it through this exercise. The goal here is that you are going to play a business person that offers security services, full range of security services, and you're trying to get the Luthers to buy some sort of surveillance security system package that you offer. And this is sort of our first meeting negotiation. Uh, so I will be playing the, the role of Lex Luthor. You will be playing salesperson. <laughs> okay. All right, so uh, welcome, Mr. Devin. Please have a seat. Let's uh, let's discuss this uh, this offer you have for me. Oh, thank you, Mr. Luthor. Uh, I've got I've got this perfect uh, perfect package for you. Uh, what we've got going on is the complete the complete security package. We got cameras, we got uh, glass breakage sensors, we got uh, security personnel, we got uh, cameras. I think I already said cameras, but we got lots of cameras. Uh, we got electronic locks. Uh, we got key locks. We got anything you need. So, uh, tell me what you need. Well, I'm not sure that I need anything, actually. I'm only having this meeting at the request of my father, as I'm sure you know. He was recently assaulted inside the mansion. But I kind of feel like our internal security is already 
sufficient. So what is it that you offer above and beyond what I already have available? Like, why should I pay for your services? Well, Mr. Luthor, I haven't had a chance to evaluate your security setup. But uh, from what I'm hearing, you've had plenty of uh, super-powered people breaking in here with their superpowers. And uh, uh, frankly, I think we can help you stop that. Okay, so... These superpowers, I'm not sure I quite, like, there's some odd things that have happened, but I don't think anything outside the realm of ordinary for a man of my stature, you know, has followers and hangers on. And we, we attract some people of extreme views and maybe some heightened abilities and, and passions, but I don't think super needs to, to kind of, I mean, this is Smallville after all. Like, that's just hilarious to think that there would be any sort of super people hanging out in Smallville, don't you think? Well, I mean, I hear you got... Super cream corn. So, if you were selling puns, sir, I might be more interested in that than your surveillance system. So, uh, so let's just get the nitty gritty. What's it going to cost me to get your highest tier package? Well, I'm thinking we can come up with something really, really attractive. I'm thinking we're probably going to be looking at somewhere close to five grand a month. Wow. Okay. So, and is there any sort of like fees up front, like installation? That's just maintenance? Oh, oh no, no. We'll, we'll take care of that. But that includes uh, uh, monitoring of the electronic communications. That includes personnel. Uh, that includes, you know, the occasional break, you know, because it, it, we got to stock the break room, you know, because they want hot coffee, you know. Security personnel always walk in the perimeter. They get cold. They got to come in. They got to warm up. So I'm not sure I feel comfortable bringing in a lot of people that I would have to vet myself. So I would have to vet your vetting process. I'm just not seeing I'm just not seeing the benefits here of of this. I'll give you one last shot. So convince me. What is the what is the selling point I'm not seeing? Well, I've uh, I've already uh, told you everything I can. I'm just not sure what else what else I can do. Well, I won't say no, but I'll say not right now. So let me uh, let me have some of my people reach out maybe to your people. I do think I have a couple other people coming in. They're going to try to, you know, compare. Oh, sure, sure, Mr. Luthor. Uh, maybe I can get with your people. We can take a walk around the property and we can uh, I, I can come up with a, a more targeted proposal. That sounds fantastic. So let, let me see you out. I don't know that I did a very good job of playing Luther there, but I don't really know what we're supposed to do. Kale, I blame you for that one. Uh, it was entertaining at the least. Yes, I, I love the accent work. Thank you. Very good. Very good. You definitely did a better salesman than I did a Luther there. Oh, thank you. I was, uh, uh, what, what was Otis? I was channeling Otis, Otis there. <laughs> All right. So with that out of the way, let's open our Smallville yearbook and see who our notable guest stars are. Hey, Clark. Look who came to check up on you. Haig Sutherland as the short-lived Travis, and Rob LaBelle as Dr. Frederick Walden. And that's pretty much it. There's there's not a lot of actual guest stars of note this episode. Uh, so with that, it's now time to grab a copy of this week's Daily Planet. Check the bylines to see who brought us this episode. I mean, that's a story that could land you a byline on the front page of the Daily Planet. So we're here today to talk about Season 2, Episode 14, Rush. Date of original airing was February 4th, 2003. The character of Superman, of course, was created by Jerry Seigel and Joe Schuster, and Smallville was created by Alfred Goff and Miles Millar. The writers for this episode, we have two credited writers, Todd Slavkin and Darren Swimmer. The director for this episode was Rick Rosenthal, the first of seven. 
And I got to say, I was really impressed with his director work. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. Interesting. All righty. So, Devin, are you now ready to explore the Kawachi Caves to get a glimpse of where we came from as well as where we may be going? I totally am. After a parasitic worm infects Pete and Chloe, they become thrill-seeking daredevils, and Pete uses red meteor rocks to persuade Clark to join them on a dangerous adventure. And that's great and all, but it doesn't tell us what we really need to know. So let's dig a little deeper into these caves and ask the important questions. <laughs> Does this episode feature a vehicle crashed or otherwise destroyed? Nope, thanks to Clark. Does this episode feature someone falling unconscious for any reason? Yes. Does this episode feature someone in a hospital bed? Yes, it does. Does this episode feature Clark telling or showing someone besides his forever crush Lana his powers and abilities? Yes. Follow up. Does that person die, lose their memory, or otherwise become unable to share this knowledge, or do they become a confidant of Clark? They lose their memory. Does this episode feature Clark using his powers irresponsibly? I say yes. Does Clark casually break and enter a business or residence? Not this week. Does this episode feature a moment where a character travels a seemingly long way to have a short conversation and then leave? Yep. Does this episode feature a conversation between two people where one person has their back to the other and is weirdly talking over their shoulder? <laughs> yep. Was the person talking weirdly over their shoulder, Lex? Of course it was. Does this episode feature a particularly thirsty moment for one or more of our characters? Uh, yes. Clark losing yes, his was... shirt with Chloe at the Talon. Ah, uh, yes, definitely. Does this episode feature a cheeky bit of dialogue that hints at or directly references the wider Superman mythos? No. I didn't see any this week. Does this episode feature a moment with a needle drop wherein a contemporary song perfectly sums up a character's thoughts and or desires? Yes. And finally, does this episode feature a classic Smallville leap of logic wherein the characters jump to a correct conclusion around who or what is behind some mysterious event or otherwise solve a problem with little to no actual information to base such conclusions? A small leap this week since Clark had actually seen the alien parasite in PD but couldn't share it all. Yeah, it's, it seemed like a leap, but if you follow Clark, it actually just kind of made it make sense uh, all right so with all that out of the way the bit of dialogue they did ask if he could fly oh really okay i missed that where was that at it was uh when chloe was learning about his powers and it's like can you fly oh, and he's, he's like, like yeah like, this is I'm real really life not, not a cartoon. cartoon yeah all right all right yeah okay all right so in our cold open chloe and pd go to a rave in a cave at the kawachi caves pd is doing his best to try and keep the cave safe much to Chloe's chagrin. She even stops him from calling Clark to give him a heads up. While they're there, Chloe gets a drive-by smooch from Travis, her chem partner, who seems high or intoxicated. He then climbs up on the light riggings and eventually jumps to his death right as Petey is attacked by, quote-unquote, something from a crevice in one of the cave walls. But he seems to quickly and a bit ominously get over it. I, I don't know that anyone was actually reacting the way they should have when he fell to his death yeah no this there i have i have a lot of questions about this episode right i mean just beginning to ending there's so many things that don't make sense to me uh but right off the bat we have never going to come back down by bt playing there were no real lyrics that i could find that made exact sense with the scene and there's the lyrics are mostly nonsensical anyways Hmm. but i think it had to do more with the sort of the, the mood or the title because it's like never going to come back down and then later travis climbs the rigging but then he does come back down because he jumps to his death yeah um i don't know it's um i don't know it was kind of interesting i I do say that i find it i simultaneously love and hate that local kids would have found the caves as a place to have a party because that at one at once makes perfect sense to me that this is something that would happen but i also hate the fact that 
in the reality of the world, with the Luthers having conservatorship, this place, I can't believe that it would have gone on as long as it did. Because it's not like those that rigging is something like this. They had a full DJ setup with yeah. lights everywhere. It was all afternoon. People were in and out trucking that stuff in. They had to. Yeah, have it's been. like Burning Man or something. You don't do that in one afternoon. Like this is something that had been going on for a while. I just, I, I just can't believe that this this happened in one short period of time. It just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, uh, and I think the caves, caves would be a great place to have a party, especially if it's like a secret party that no one's supposed to know about. You know, it's far away, but who thought it was okay to go into a place that had cave paintings? Yeah, and there's just the, you know, the the optics here of a bunch of primarily white kids yeah. in a place that's, you know, sacred to a Native American tribe. Just, yeah, very 2003, I guess. Yeah, yeah not great. Uh, so we do see that Petey's got a new car. I think it's actually the same car, maybe just a different color. I, I'm not a good car person, but it looks like the same car to me with a paint job, but I don't know. Uh, and I love how Chloe says she didn't know they were going here. She just <laughs> downloaded the directions off the internet. And that just made me giggle so much. It's like, oh, there was a time when that was something you did. You went to MapQuest and you you printed those things and you took them yeah. with you. Uh-huh. Oh, man. I, I did really like, though, Petey... Being protective of the caves, because that's something I don't think we get to see a whole lot in uh-huh. the show, is how much of a friend Petey really is to Clark. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he truly is upset that these people are there, and he wants to give Clark a heads up. And if Chloe hadn't talked him out of it, uh, you know, she, he he would have. But the thing that I, that I want to talk about, kind of big picture, is we, we kind of have seen already that Petey kind of feels about Chloe the way Clark feels about Lana. And it seems like they kind of went there together. Clark's not there. Mm-hmm. Is this supposed to be a date? Because, I mean, we see a couple moments right off the bat. Chloe seems to be, like, checking out a couple of guys. So I feel like, in Petey's mind, maybe this was a date, but it wasn't in Chloe's mind. I, I don't know. What, what did you think about that aspect, if at all? Yeah, I I kind of got the same vibe. Um, it, you know, Number one, they're friends going to hang out uh, together as friends, too. That's great. But making that leap from friend to more than friend is kind of tough, especially when you don't talk about it. And I don't think Petey's the kind of kid to actually sit down and talk about it and be like, hey, I like you, but more than just like friends. So let's let's explore this. Uh, And so I think maybe he was hoping that the action of going together to this place would would say it for him. And it didn't. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I think you think you're probably right. There is that you know, if it was me, I kind of feel like maybe there's like a hopefulness there, you know, because mm-hmm. you are at a party, which we can assume there's probably gonna be drinking and maybe some lowering of inhibitions. I mean, obviously, like the first thing we see is a couple kids just like hardcore making out. So you know, maybe something comes of it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just it made me. I just kept thinking about that because knowing how we know Petey feels about Chloe in the situation. One thing I noticed, too, because, again, I watch these episodes with the closed captioning on, and the song that's playing features the F word multiple times. And in the closed captioning, you can read that word, but you don't hear it. (laughs) But you also don't hear it beeped out. It's almost like it just wasn't there. I guess maybe the song itself, it was silenced, but in the audio of the show, it's not. But then later, you do hear the word shit. I don't know. I just, it stuck out to me because I'm like, I'm reading the F word. I'm like, this is on network TV, but they bleeped out, you know, or they silenced the F word, but they left the other words in. So I don't know. It just, it stood out to me. Did you notice that at all? Mm -mm. No, I didn't hear the, I didn't hear any lyrics in the music. 
Gotcha. It, yeah, again, they're it was pretty low. They're very nonsensical too. Like if you do read the lyrics, they're just it's a bunch of just nonsense. Uh, I guess yeah. I'm just an old man. I'm not at that type of music. <laughs> I don't know. So Travis comes up and just gives Chloe a big smooch. Travis, what are you doing? Taking my shots. I always thought you were hot. Uh, which I don't know if he meant to rhyme, but he did. <laughs> he then climbs up the light rigging, and a lot of people are egging him on. Chloe and Petey maybe less so. Petey takes a seat in a very in- unfortunate place with his neck right up against a crevice, and mm-hmm. Travis basically leaps from the top. He, I think he says, I, I, he said something like, I can live forever, and then he, di- yeah. he jumped to his death. Yeah. So here's one of my first questions. I don't understand the logic of what this parasite does and how it connects to the acting out we see from the multiple characters. And this may just be me being ignorant. I, I will put that out there. Maybe I don't understand. But what we are told later is this, this parasite feeds off of the adrenaline gland, mm-hmm. forcing the host to need more and more adrenaline. So they seem to be doing more and more things that would create adrenaline. But very, very quickly, it seems like this is something that the only way to get that adrenaline is to face life or death things like jumping from a high place or jumping off their car. But some of the other effects, like before we get to that point, it just seems like how Clark is affected by the red kryptonite just kind of makes him a D-bag is it seems like that's what happens is it just makes people kind of a D-bag for a while. And I didn't quite follow one-to-one on what this thing does versus what happens. And then additionally, we are led to believe by the show that these parasites were put there specifically to protect the caves. But if you think about that logically, at least in my mind, that would make it more likely that the caves would have been destroyed because people around the caves would be doing increasingly dumb things. Yeah, uh, we don't get a whole lot of, we don't get a lot of information about the life cycle of these parasites. So, um, but I seem to remember that like there was no parasite in the body of the kid who died. Yep. So where did the parasite go? So so Clark, his reasoning is that it must have crawled back out. Sure, but to go where? To do what? Right, is it just running around the neighborhood now? Did it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and again, that's one of the problems I have with the episode is they, they make these creatures so large mm-hmm. that if it were to crawl back out the hole it made, it would have looked like his head was shot with a pumpkin round out of a shotgun like it, yeah these things are huge it, it would make more sense if they were a smaller and b died with the host you know and maybe it was just yeah. so small that it would have been missed in a in an autopsy but i don't know there, again i just have yeah, so many know. questions there's there's a lot of questions that don't have answers but uh they they weren't needed for the drama true and we do get some really good drama out of yes, this i just have a lot mm-hmm. of problems with how we manufactured that drama uh, anything else in the cold open? Because it was relatively short to the point. It's a rave. Petey gets bit yeah. by something. Kid jumps to his death. Uh, I, I thought uh, Pete and Chloe were, were killjoys. That was that was too bad. Uh, you know, they're young kids. Why wouldn't they be cheering on the, the shy, geeky kid who finally comes out of his shell and climbs up to the top of the that little tower to say, yeah, I'm awesome. Why wouldn't they be like, yeah, you're awesome, dude, before he jumped to his death, obviously. Yeah, uh, they are a bit of killjoys, I guess. <laughs> Which they also just got there, so maybe they hadn't had a time to uh, yeah, acclimate. That's true. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe they weren't riding the wave of whatever. Yeah. So um, were there a bunch of people there with the parasite? Because I think we find out later that there were two other deaths. But it seemed like 
a lot of people might have been under the influence of something, if not a parasitic. Uh, yeah, parasitic. I'm I'm thinking maybe there was some maybe there were some drugs there. Um, Probably. But you know, again, it's a, a TV show that was shown on public television, so they wouldn't really have drugs there. They just kind of talk around it. Mm, yeah, insinuation, not uh, yeah evidence of it. Exactly. All right. So in our first act, Clark is reading about this tragedy when Petey comes roaring into the scene riding his motorcycle recklessly. Uh, he seems exuberant and a bit off, but he tells Clark you only live once. You got to take chances. And Clark takes his advice to heart. Going to the Talon, he finally asks Lana out on a date and she says yes. At the caves, Clark is about to clean up the place super speed-like, I would assume, when Lex appears and they chat, though Lex seems to know more than he's letting on. The new security guard has orders not to let anyone in, but Lex has said that Clark is on that list. So anything in the first act you wanted to talk about? Well, I I, I thought Petey's um, acting, uh, being completely unhinged, I think he did that really well. Um, and I thought it was really, really fun that he's actually making sense mm -hmm. to Clark in that uh in that exchange even though he is just off his rocker he is there's something obviously wrong with him but clark's like oh yeah yeah you've got a point right you're making sense uh and i think that when when clark is off balance that's when we get that sweet drama because then he's not um he's not sure of himself uh and able to take a stand that's when he waffles back and forth yeah i it was. It's funny that, and again, I agree with you that I think um, Sam Jones really just sort of leans into this absurdity, and mm -hmm. he's he's at eleven right away. But it it kind of works, and he almost acts like he is intoxicated, like even like just some of his uh, art, the way he agreed uh, uh, gesticulates. I guess is the word I'm looking for, um, and just some of those his line deliveries. But it's always fun. It's always entertaining mm -hmm. every time. It's not off putting at all. Uh, one of my notes here is, I, I, again, forgive me, I, I love how he uses that little street sandwich board <laughs> sign to jump his motorcycle. And I yeah. said, this is some hardcore Dukes of Hazard. hold on, there's a dip in the road bullshit. Yeah. And if anybody's listening to this, because I've referenced Dukes of Hazard multiple times, John Schneider was a main character in the show. It was about a car that jumped all the time. Like every episode, there was a couple jumps. <laughs> and one of my all-time favorite moments is the Dukes are going down a dirt road. And there's a couple cop cars that have set up like a you know a barrier across the road so they can't get across. And uh, I think it's Luke, which is the I think the other one. I think I think John Schneider was Bo. Says, "Hold on, there's a dip in the road." And the next thing you see is the car jumping <laughs> off of a ramp, basically, and over these cop cars. And I just, to this day, <laughs> I remember, hold on, there's a dip in the road as they launch 30 uh, feet in the air. Uh, but absolutely, there's, that's not how motorcycles or sandwich boards work. He would have just ran that over. But I, yeah. just, I loved that. It made me laugh so hard. And he just, like, knocks down that lady with carrying yeah. her groceries, and no one says anything. Not, not even Clark goes to help her, and she's, like, the whole no. time in the back of the scene picking up her groceries again. And yeah. then she's still there when he does, like, the donut and speeds off. He almost knocks her over again. I was just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was, it was pretty uh, outrageous, but, but kind of funny. Yeah. But I do actually like, again, like, like you said, Petey makes sense. He says, for a guy who can't get hurt, you never take chances. And... I mean, I think there's a lot of ways to kind of read into that um, sentiment. And I think Petey's absolutely right. And I think Clark realizes he's right. And that's why he goes over and asks Lana on a mm -hmm. date. But I also think this gets at the heart of 
good Superman stories, and I know I've talked about this with a couple guest hosts, I believe Neil most recently, uh, who's a big Superman fan, that the best Superman stories aren't about his powers. It's about what what his powers don't mean anything to, like other people, his emotions. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. Like, you know, Clark can't be hurt. You can shoot him with a gun, he's fine, but you can't hurt him or he can get hurt emotionally. And I just, I, don't, yeah. I actually really like that. I uh, didn't agreed. like as much that PD had to say the, the title of the episode out loud. Like he says, it's a rush, <laughs> which we don't do all the time, which I'm very happy for, but it was very noticeable here. I'm sorry, I have to talk over. What were you going to say? Oh, uh, well, talking about the rush, I saw um, on the. Oh, I think it was on the Talon. They said your morning rush there too. Mm. Uh, talking about the coffee. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, your morning yep, rush that was up there too. Yep. <laughs> uh, which again was another new marquee for the Talon. And uh, so we see there's a quick moment where Lana is kind of looking over at them, uh, smiling as as they're talking. And so yeah, um, Clark heads over, and we get Steve, Stephen Phillips somewhere. And this is the second time in the in a very short period of time i've tried to google like a song title and cannot find lyrics for this song so i have no idea i couldn't hear anything so i don't know if there was any connection specifically with this song to what was going on i don't know i don't know but yeah um he goes and talks to lana and they talk about hey that's super tragic like he he it just makes you think you know like no one's going to be around for a while, forever. And it's like, it's nothing like a tragedy to make kids feel their, their mortality. So these kids must feel their mortality all the time. Because there, so, there are more people <laughs> dying in this town than in where the Murder, She Wrote show is. I know. Uh, it, it's sad to see a kid lose their innocence. But these guys, they're not innocent at all. <laughs> no. They, it is, there's so much death. When I first started the show, I almost thought about tracking people dying because I track all the other things like concussions, basically yeah. everything. But I didn't want to. And now I kind of wish that we had because there are so <laughs> many deaths in the show. It's just yeah. absurd. Uh, I really like Clark's asking Lana out, though. Like he, he settles himself. He's going to do it. Uh-huh. But it still comes out very awkward. Like, we should go to a date together. In the near, in the future. near future, <laughs> and he just sort of stands there. I, I, I thought that was great. I actually, I loved oh, so much yeah. of that. It was, it was perfect teen drama. Uh, and you, you noted the awkward way he just kind of stands there and then turns and walks away. I was like, oh my god, I feel that so much. <laughs> you know, that reminds me uh, of of high school and junior high. That that was just. Those those horrible feelings of like, oh man, I wish I was suave. I wish I was really good at this, but I'm totally not. So I'm just gonna leave. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you could talk about what you want to do on the date, where we're going to go. Like there are there are decisions and conversations to be had. But he just like, okay, and then walks away. I, it, yeah. I definitely felt seen in that <laughs> that scene there for a moment. Uh, but then we cut. Well, I actually do want to mention too that Lana says all you had to do was ask. Mm-hmm. Again, we we've given advice on this show many times more about how to get away with, get away with crimes. So let's give some <laughs> advice here on solid good advice. If you like someone, ask them out. All they uh-huh. can do is say no, and that's not nearly as bad as the what ifs and the never haves and shoulda coulda woulda. So just ask. It's not as bad as you think, and they probably well I won't say probably because I don't know you and I don't know the person is, but there's a good chance they'll say yes. <laughs> and if you like somebody, just go talk to them. Yeah. You know, you don't need lines. You don't need to play with emotions or anything. Just just talk. If you have something in common, talk about that. Share things. Ask questions. Be a good listener. That That's mm-hmm. very key 
and I don't think guys, especially my experience, we were good at that uh, in grades or like middle school and high school, like actually asking questions we wanted to know the answer to. We were just you know, trying to be cool and funny. But yeah, just ask yeah. questions. Ask, ask, ask about them. Let's see how that goes. Yep. All right. So then we cut over to uh, the caves. And Clark is there, and he pulls out, like, this red trash bag. And I can only assume he's about to super speed and clean this whole thing up when Lex walks in. And they start to have this conversation. We find out Clark's been visiting the caves almost every day. And there's very much a a sense of Lex knows more about what's going on here than than Clark realizes he does. Mm -hmm. And um, there's even a line where Lex says, you wouldn't be keeping secrets from me. And I think Clark, for the first time in a long time, actually lies well or has a good lie. He talks about, you know, it's, he's down there for a term paper, which maybe he is doing the term paper, but that's not really what he's more like, you know, conveniently cross purpose yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Um, but very, very quickly at the end of this conversation, Clark's like, I got to go. So if Lex hadn't shown up, Clark was going to stay there the whole time to clean the caves. And like, again, we as the audience know he could do that in like five minutes, but Lex doesn't know that. Lex saw that he was just about to clean up the whole place. So doesn't it seem odd or shouldn't it seem odd to Lex that he just left? I think that's very much him seeming suspicious and wanting to get away before he says something he should. I just felt like it was very yeah. obvious Clark was trying to hide something here. And I think Lex picks up on that. Uh, the the more I see or what I saw of Lex and Clark in this episode, it's Lex has really, really got Clark under a magnifying glass is really looking at him hard. Like something's odd about this kid and I'm going to figure it out. Cause I'm Lex freaking Luther. Yes. And, and you know, and we've seen that sort of wave or that sort of uh, like curvy road that Lex is on that he's like for a while, he seemed like he was trying to push past any of his suspicions mm-hmm. about Clark. And, and now he's starting to go back the other way where he knows there's more than Clark is letting on. He's, he's willing to manipulate things as we will see at the end of the episode to try to, you know, get more information. And I think it's these caves have really brought out that nature of that, the suspicious nature of Lex again. And it's just yep. kind of interesting to watch his progress here. But I really like the, la- the last line of the scene. I like how it you know, was delivered. I told the new security man, nobody comes down here without my permission. Nobody except for Clark Kent, of course. And I just, again, I, re- I just really like the way Lex delivers that. And I feel like that's a way for him to know I'm doing you a favor. Like I oh, could yeah. easily keep you out, but I'm not. But he wants you totally. to know that. Yep. And I the the tension in that moment between the two of them was just lovely. I, I loved it. And then as Clark is walking away, I just I thought I saw it in his expression or in his eyes. It's like he knows that this permission to come back to the caves does not come without strings. At some point in the future he's going to get the call and Lex is like, Hey, you know, mm-hmm. I let you do that. You owe me. Uh, and then we should know too, that, that uh, Lex pulls a book from Clark's backpack and it's a book on oh, yeah. trying to understand the you know hieroglyphics. And it's by Dr. Frederick Walden, who will, as we know, to come back into the show. <laughs> so in our second act, Lana and Chloe have an awkward heart to heart about Lana's um, impending date with Clark. But ultimately Chloe says she should go for it. At home, Clark is in trouble for spending too much time at the caves and is sort of grounded. But Martha makes a plea for him to be able to at least go on his date with Lana, my favorite part of this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lex has brought in the professor from Clark's book and wants to hire him to study the caves. 
So Vaughn is spending a lot of time on this flower arrangement here. I just feel like maybe the camera was on her a little too long before Chloe comes in. Uh, but like, she's really hardcore dedicated to her craft. So props to that. Uh, so Lana seems a little guilty about not like, like she's trying to avoid Chloe a little bit, but she does eventually say, yes, you know, we're having to, I'm going to go on a date with Clark and we'll see later in the episode where Clark doesn't come clean yep. until it's forced upon him, which I thought was fun. And I just, again, Chloe, I love you. I'm so sorry when she says my feelings are so ancient, they're fossilized. And there's this weird, almost like roller coaster of emotion that Chloe is on here because she goes from like awkward about it and wanting to make sure that Lana feels comfortable. And then she kind of turns a little bit. She's like, don't let me be the reason why you're not going for it, which is very sort of like a sassiness. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not sure I follow the train necessarily. It all worked for me, but I'm not sure I quite get where she was mentally throughout those changes. Uh, While I was watching it, it felt like, hey, we're roommates, we're good friends, I'm trying to be supportive, I'm trying to be upbeat about this, but then at the end of it, it's just like, this is totally tearing me up on the inside. Uh, And I I just felt that, you know, it's obvious that she's hurting, and at the end of it, uh, she's just like, I don't have the emotional strength anymore to, to keep rolling with this, oh, I'm so, I'm so happy, my feelings are ancient, they're fossilized. I just, I can't keep that up anymore. So I'm just saying, hey, Lana, if it was me, I would be jumping all over this. So you better do it. And I think we've come back to one of the the, the true messages of this show is you just need to be honest with people. Clark should have yeah. been honest with Chloe when she asked him about it. Uh, Clark should be honest with other people he cares about, about his secret, because I think they would handle it well. Uh, but when you're a teen, it's hard to see things that way. It is. Uh, so we get to one of my one of my absolute favorite parts of this entire episode is oh, so good. Is when they're at the Kent farm and we hear the parents talking about college bills and, you know, Clark comes in and we find out he's been tardy and not going to classes on time because he's been with time with caves and he basically gets grounded and Clark's like, I cannot express, like, I, 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 this is so important. And of course they're like, what's going on? He's like, I have a date, like a real date with Lana. And immediately Martha turns and goes, oh, Jonathan, <laughs> you've got to let him go. And it's... <laughs> brilliant i love it so much i'll probably put the audio in here but it's really low so i don't know how well we'll pick up but just how quickly she turns and and just everything about that was like perfect chef's gifts to me yeah yeah it was it was wonderful part of me wonders if it was actually in the script or if it was just something that was ad-libbed um because that's just such an honest true to the character moment um that it it feels almost like the the actor was just going with the flow and went with it and then they were just like oh my god yes that's amazing keep it yeah and whether it was written and she acted it that well or she ad-libbed it and it was just perfect it's it's a marriage of performance yeah. script and and performer together but it it was absolutely perfect it, it there was nothing inauthentic about that at all yeah that whole family moment it was just and i also yeah. love how clark says thanks mom when Jonathan agreed, because he knew that it, she was the one. <laughs> oh, it was great. And I, just, I wrote, I'm here for this, more of this, all of this. That's, that's yes. what I want from this show more than anything. Great family moment. Oh, absolutely. And I also want to give a, a shout out to the quick line that Jonathan says, and have Pete stop doing donuts out in the field. He's scaring the cattle. Because it's, it's basically exposition. It's to remind us that Petey is still on the motorcycle out doing things. But it's such a throwaway line. I don't even know that Clark hears it 
as the audience, we don't know if Clark hears it because the the focus stays yeah. on Jonathan. Mm-hmm. But it's it when you watch when you've watched the whole episode, it's actually a brilliant set piece for like you know continuing that thread of Petey and on the motorcycle and doing donuts. And I just I again the the writing for this, I actually thought that aspect because other aspects I don't think were great. I thought that one was great. <laughs> yeah, I like that line a lot too. It uh, it brought in that other plot line um, so that it had a place in what we were watching. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, so we cut to the mansion and we see that Lex has called in that same professor Walden. Uh, he saw in the back of Clark's book uh, and wants to hire him to work on the cave language. And I, I'm assuming it's the character they want, but I immediately do not like this person. And I, Me neither. I don't know if it's the actor or the character or both, but they come across as very sort of like slimy mm-hmm. and, I I don't know, and again, I'm probably being very close-minded here, but it, but the idea I have of like this academic professor who's the top foremost hieroglyphic expert in the world, this character does not seem to fit that. And maybe I'm just <laughs> totally wrong. I don't know, but it doesn't feel right to me. And I just every time I see them, I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, I I actually thought he he fit that mold perfectly, uh, especially like he's very full of himself, and they showed us how full of himself he is because who refers to themselves as the foremost expert in anything that I no, no one does that except for a holes. Yeah. <laughs> and what several of the lines that he delivered was, uh, uh, Oh, I, I just, I love getting my week's rate uh, to come have a 10 minute conversation. He knew that he was coming to see Lex to tell him. No, mm-hmm. he, he said, no, I'm coming here. I'm not going to do it. Schedule a timeout next year. He's he's just so full of himself. He thinks the world of himself. And uh, whether that's warranted or not, I don't know. I just don't know many people who are good people who think of themselves that way. True. But then you also have to question, if you're being hired your weekly rate for a 10-minute conversation, would you not Google which I guess Google did. I don't. I guess Google did exist in 2003. It's probably just very different. But wouldn't you do a little bit of research and like? Because he seems so surprised when he gets to see the actual photographs, and he becomes immediately intrigued to the point that he actually takes the job. What did he think he was coming here for? Like, was there no news in the, in his circles, in his academic circles? Was there really nothing that had come across of these fantastic cave paintings in this small town that the Lex Luthers have the conservatorship? Like, I just, I find no, I it, doubt it. I, I don't, it just seems, un, yeah. it seems weird to me that he would be clueless of why he was coming. Uh, we, we don't get much background as far as that goes for the character, but I would doubt that anything like that um, has been circling. You know, no one's been talking about it. Otherwise, there would have been other scientists there. Not the foremost expert in uh, cave painting linguistics, but someone would have said, hey, I'm curious about that. Uh, I'll go take a look at it and write my dissertation on it or something. Maybe. It just you know, it didn't it didn't work as well for me as it seemed to as uh, for you. So I won't harp on it anymore anymore. But I will note that he takes that check that Lex gives him and he rips it up. And I just wanted so bad that at some point in time we would see that check again taped back up <laughs> because no one rips up a check and throws it in Lex Luthor's face without regretting it at some point. I don't think. Wouldn't it have been great if Lex had taped it up and then handed it back to him once he agreed to yeah. do the job? When he says, oh, because there's a scene later, he goes, I wasn't aware you took the job. He's like, yes, I have. I, I would have loved for Lex to have pulled out that check yeah. and take back up. Uh, 
So we cut to the scene at the Torch office where Clark is looking for Petey, because Petey's apparently not been at school. Uh, but he finds Chloe for some reason, and he decides to lie to her, because she knows, obviously, mm-hmm. about the date. And I do got to say, she she definitely set him up for failure. This was a test, which is not cool. You shouldn't do that to your friends. You shouldn't set them up to give them an opportunity to lie to you to test to see if they will or not. That's not a cool thing to do to a friend. But it's also not cool for Clark to to not come yeah. truthful mm-hmm. here. And there's this moment where she sort of like rolls her eyes and turns away. And, and you feel like there's going to be like a blow up coming because she's so frustrated here. But she's also in reporter mode that when Clark is asking more questions, she just, you know, she gives him more of the download. I think this is where we get the download about the other people that had the, you know, that had died recently. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, cause like she doesn't walk out, she doesn't blow up, but that moment where she turns and that hurt that you see in her, in her face again, cannot say it again, say it enough. And Alison Mack's portrayal of Chloe is just perfect in this show. I love it. So oh yeah. Much. It was it was great in this scene, and she delivered the line, different people deal with grief in different ways, talking about Petey, mm-hmm. uh, skipping school and doing donuts and fields. Uh, really, she was talking about herself, I felt, and how bad she's hurting because Lana is going out with Clark, not her. I didn't I not catch that, but I think you're absolutely right. I think that's what that line exactly was. Uh, we, this is where we find out that Travis, uh, again, was only one of three people that died, um, and... Um, they had the enlarged adrenal gland. Mm-hmm. So that's where Clark's starting to put things together. So Clark, Clark immediately thinks Petey may be affected. Like he's like, Oh, that may be what's going on with Petey. I need to go look into this. Yeah. Um, so we get a, a shot, an exterior shot of the Talon, which is actually the same marquee as earlier. So it's, that's rare that we see it twice. One episode, <laughs> it's not changed. And Petey is standing on the top of a Jeep. I don't know if, is it his, is it just some random Jeep in the middle of the street? <laughs> Uh, and Clark's like, Petey, we got to get you to the hospital. But Petey's, Petey's willing to drop the secret, which he does. Uh, uh-huh. Fortunately, no one believes him. And so he jumps out in front of a bus. So again, this is where I'm trying to track. Is this just the adrenaline junkie in him trying to get adrenaline? So he's trying to like set up these possible death scenarios. But if it hadn't been for Clark, he would have died, just like Travis when he jumped. So that's, that's where I get confused about if this parasite feeds off ad- adrenaline, it's it, does it always eventually kill the host? Because then that doesn't seem to be a very good parasite. You're killing, it's like the frog and the scorpion thing. You're like, you're always killing your host. Yeah. Eventually you're going to die. And it, I don't know, it just seemed like such an I odd just, thing that it escalates so quickly. Because yeah. Travis, if we follow the logic of the show, probably got infected earlier that same night. Mm-hmm. So within a matter of hours, he went to doing acts so dangerous he died. Petey seems to be able to maintain this much longer. Like, it's days. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but he has this moment. If Clark hadn't been there, then maybe he would have died at this point. But it seems like he's able to manage it, and he doesn't escalate it so you know, rapidly. It's more of like mm-hmm. a, a long middle ground. So I just, I don't, I don't follow the logic of the show there very well. I don't think it's very clear. The the only thing I could come up with when I was thinking about it is that the parasites were put there to protect the caves. So, I mean, what's better to protect them than to kill the people that are violating that territory? So maybe the end result is that they risk themselves to death. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I mean, we don't there's not a whole lot of exposition or background provided in the show about those parasites. So we're just left with 
our thoughts and suppositions. Yeah. Questions. Too many questions, not enough answers. Yeah. And and this is where one of the places I feel like Clark is using his powers irresponsibly by not using them. Uh, because, again, when Clark grabs Petey again, the bus that almost ran him over has stopped and all the passengers are getting off. And Petey starts yelling, you're an alien. He's an alien. My best friend's an mm-hmm. alien. And he just, like, <laughs> runs down the street. And Clark looks guilty as F. Uh, yeah. He's just standing there. But he easily could have, like, walked around the corner. And then zoomed after Petey and tackled him when he's down the street <laughs> and had him in the hospital before Petey blinked. Like, it, there are so many opportunities for him to use his powers effectively, and he chose not to. So I feel like he, that's using them uh, yeah. poorly. But I think that gets back to the point you brought up earlier about good Superman stories, about uh, instead of stabbing him in the gut, you stab him in the humanity. <laughs> Uh, oh, so the that's humanity. yeah, that's what's going on here. He's pointing out, oh, he's not human, uh, and so that uh, Clark's like, oh crap, they're gonna know. But dude, no one's gonna think you're an alien, right? Yeah, <laughs> unless you stand there looking guilty, and then they'll be like, wait a minute, yeah. maybe he is. And and all these people are on a bus. Let's, let's assume they're mostly out of towners. Now, like if he had said that in front of Chloe and Lana. They might be like, you know, there Maybe. is some weird stuff around yeah. Clark. But these people have no idea who Clark is. It, it's just no. literally if you walked out into the street right now and said, that guy's an alien, which they probably would assume, like, from another country, illegal mm-hmm. alien, you know, in our culture yeah. right now. But no one thinks you're from a spaceship when you're six foot three and carved from marble like Tom Welling. I don't think that's the first thing that people are thinking of. <laughs> no. uh, uh, and I did want to comment that the bus didn't even break. Uh, and the bus was going way too fast. For that street it was driving down. There's pedestrians all over the place. Like, there's very little room for the bus to even move. And it was just flying down that street 25 miles an hour, maybe 30. Just irresponsibility all around. Nice. So, and well, and the last thing I just want to say, too, is from Clark's point of view, you know, we've already had PD dealing with the burden of knowing Clark's secret, and he's right away just willing to throw it out like this isn't a good way to actually make it stick but that's got to be hurtful and and you know clark's got to be thinking about that all right so we'll jump into our third act while exploring the caves to see if they can find out what happened to pete clark and chloe meet professor walden and lex chloe gets infected by the same parasite and clark is blocked from coming back to the caves Petey confronts clark and tells him to stay away and even uses green meteor rock to make his point Lex stops by the caves where Professor Walden shows him the parasite they found. Clark stops by the talent to postpone his date with Lana when Chloe and Pete show up, making Lana feel like a fool, and then Petey doses Clark with Red K. Uh, so this is where the, the cold open, the first and second act, sort of work like a slow build. And in the third act, things ramp up very quickly. There's a oh, yeah. lot of things that happen in the third act, including the fact that we have discovered an alien life form in the caves, which will be discussed a little bit more in depth later. But um, why did Clark bring Chloe to the caves? He, he believes at this point that the caves have resulted in the death of three people and is currently endangering the life of his best friend. We see this time and time again where Chloe or Clark brings people with him when he needs to be able to do his super stuff. Now, Professor Walden and Lex are there, but he mm-hmm. didn't know that. So if he yeah. went there with his X-ray vision, he would have been able to find stuff much quicker. He could zoom. Like, it just seems like he's hampering himself, which is, again, me again saying I think he's using his powers irresponsibly because yeah. he's not allowing himself to use them here. 
I, I think that's just stemming from Clark's insecurity because he's not a solo act yet. He's not Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if we've seen anything about Clark in the past, however many episodes, he leans pretty heavily on his friends all the time. So him bringing Chloe um, doesn't seem super out of character to me. Um, okay. And then it also serves the drama because True. he can't use those powers. Right. Which uh, he wouldn't be able to anyway exactly uh but we wouldn't get chloe infected if she wasn't there which is obviously why this is here um so i I noted here that chloe's reaching into that crevice is the worst acting i have ever seen her do it is so (laughs) painfully obvious that she's doing that on purpose but she plays it off like it was an accident it's not good at all but i'm sure the, the director of the script told her to do that i don't think allison would have done that on her own uh but when professor walden comes in startles them Everyone looks away, and that's when Chloe is infected her. So again, yep. I have questions here. The the creatures of um, you know feeding off her adrenaline gland, but that, how does that justify Chloe's reaction here? Because she she basically becomes super sexual right away. You know, she takes off her jacket. Just the way yeah. she carries herself, she calls the professor a cunning linguist, which is a great joke, by the way. Heard it multiple <laughs> times. It always makes me laugh. If you don't get the joke, look it up on Google. Uh, and then later, there's a scene where she like takes out a lollipop and very provocatively oh, yeah. is like, licking the lollipop in front of Clark. So I don't get why Chloe is being very sexual when Petey's not. At least we don't see Petey acting out that way. And I just think it's a convenience thing, which doesn't follow the logic for me. Yeah, again, I just I would have to say, just like everyone grieves in a different way, everyone reacts in a different way, everyone seeks their thrills uh, a different way, and I guess we're getting a glimpse into what's thrilling for Chloe. So true, true. It may all track it just for some. I had to. I had a hard time following it. And then there's a line where she talks to the professor and says. People haven't made out in this cave since the 20th century. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Do you Me know neither. what that means? No. People were making out just the other night, yeah. and she was there. Yeah, like two days ago. Yeah. And, and even if they weren't, is she trying to say that like Native Americans were the last people to make out here? I don't know I, what I don't that know. means. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem to make sense to any of the other characters either. So why is that an own? Yeah, it's, I, I, it doesn't. I don't get it. I, I'll, I'll make this a call out to the audience. If anyone out there has a theory as to what that was supposed to mean, I would like to hear it because it. I literally was like, pause it, and like you know, it's like a record scratch. Like what? <laughs> I don't understand that. Yeah, uh, I do like. like so we, we talk with Professor Walden. He basically says he's just taking the job, but that no one is allowed on site except for his crew, including Clark. You know, Clark's like, I found the caves. Like, I don't care. I don't care if you found the Shroud of Turin, kid. You can't come in here. Um, and there's a line where Chloe says, kiss my ass. And Clark looks abashed. But if you look at Lex, he actually looks into oh, yeah. it. And I don't think, mm-hmm. like, sexually attracted to her, but more just, like, impressed with her. Yeah, I, I think he's respecting her a little bit more. You know, she's always just been the annoying reporter kid from the high school. But now she's standing up to this professor and he's like, okay. All right, your point to you, you're up a notch on uh, my gauge, I guess. But you would think that Clark, like, it seems weird that he went there knowing that this 
cave might be the point of origin for multiple issues. And I think Chloe's change in personality is drastic enough to warrant, uh, oh, maybe she's been infected. I would think so. Um, but again, we're dealing with Clark's um, problems with uh, communication mm-hmm. and reading people. Because again, for, for all the leaps of logic that he and Chloe sometimes make, it sometimes they seem a little slow on the uptick. Yeah. Uh, so we go to the loft and Petey confronts Clark about why Clark's parents have been calling his parents looking for him. And when Clark's like, you know, I got to take you to the hospital, uh, Petey pulls out the green kryptonite. So now not only has he completely just shouted his secret to the world, he's now using his one weakness against him. Yep. And I did really like, you know, this part. Again, Petey's acting here is just, it's all over the place, but oh, I yeah. actually really liked it. I liked mm-hmm. everything about this. Me too. Um, the the actor was just unhinged, but it fit the the story perfectly. I loved it. Mm. And just the way he again he delivers the lines, it he comes across to me like he's drunk. Like I that was, that's what I saw was like this is someone who's intoxicated, and they're just like exuberant and over you know in, uh, in this really high energy. But obviously we know it's, that's not exactly what's going on. Yeah. Uh, is this the part where he X-rays him and sees the parasite? I think so. Yeah, that parasite is huge in his body, and it is just swimming around his spine. Like, that has to be uncomfortable. Like, they should have made it, like, tiny. Yeah, uh, but then it wouldn't have made great TV, I guess. Maybe, maybe. Um, Again, I question why Clark didn't just get up and chase Petey down. Like, once the meteor rock's gone, he would have been fine in, like, let's say a minute. He's so fast... Again, he could have used his powers here. Yeah. He just chose not to. Because as long as that box is closed, as we know, it doesn't hurt him. Yeah. Yeah, He's just wallowing in the self-pity of it all. Apparently. Uh, So we cut back to the caves again. And here we see that Dr. Walden has a crew and they're setting up equipment. And he brought Lex in because they found this parasite quickly. They apparently destroyed it with, uh, like, was it liquid Liquid nitrogen? nitrogen. Yeah. uh, And shows it to, to... Lex in a jar and Lex, his question is, are there any live samples? He's like, yeah, yeah. send them to Cadmus labs, which we know from earlier episodes, he now owns a controlling share. in, I think, or he owns that, that company. Uh, but he definitely seems ominous here. Don't you think? Oh yeah. yeah. That, that scene, Lex totally looked like the villain. I was like, all right. Yeah, Lex. All right. Drop into that role. I'm digging it. <laughs> uh, so again, this was super quick. So now, now we cut back to the torch and Clark walks in, and Chloe is just heavy smooching some guy at the office. Uh, and then a moment later, she, he's like, can I get your number? And she's like, why? The thrill is gone. <laughs> yeah. Just whew, oh, cold. Man. And, you know, this is where it's just blazingly sexual. You know, she gets the lollipop, and, I mean, it's so clear that she's trying to titillate Clark. Yeah. Uh, that, again... I just can't imagine that he's not figuring out something's wrong. But uh, he asks about, he kind of lays out his theory about the parasite and asks Chloe to help get Petey there. And she agrees, but still seems oblivious that she may be affected by it. Yeah, that was a little weird in it. Um, We could come up with reasons why he would justify that in his mind of why she's doing this. But um, you would think that his first thought is going to be, oh, she's acting different. Maybe she's infected too. 
Um, one of he's the, already uh, x-rayed Pete, if I remember, yeah. remember the timeline. So he could have quit giving her a quick x-ray. But yeah, He could have. Uh, I think we're supposed to think that he was just too off balance uh, from her flirting because, man, she was landed on heavy. I mean, uh, wow. It's, yeah. You know, and it's one of those things where knowing what we know now, I mean, this was so many years ago, but like, you know, Allison, part of that group, that yep. cult she was in, it, it's mm-hmm. just, it's hard to see that and not start thinking about things now. But for the moment, the time, it, it was, it, it definitely got a reaction <laughs> from me, particularly when I was, you know, 20 years younger. Yep. Um, but it's very awkward. There was one, um, one little bit when Clark walks in, the the light from the shades hits him in just the right way that his eyes are illuminated by one of the bars of light. Uh, mm. And it, if I remember correctly, the cam- camera kind of zooms in on his face and his eyes get really big and he gets surprised. It's just a flash of a moment, but I really, really enjoyed that that camera work. It was highlighting his surprise in his eyes. And then you turn to Chloe going all hot and heavy with the guy. I was like, yes, yes, that was good. Good work. Nice. Uh, so Clark goes to break off his date with Lana. Uh, there is a new talent marquee, so it has changed now uh, <laughs> since the last time we got there. And this is basically one of my biggest problems with the episode is we have to have the Lana Clark drama. Mm-hmm. But it seems like this should have been so easy to solve because he just he doesn't explain things well at all. And he's like, you know, if I don't get Pete to the doctor, he may die. Because he's infected with a parasite that's feeding off his adrenaline. Now, that may seem extraordinary, but in this town, probably not. And so then when Chloe and Petey show up, it makes everything seem very awkward. But that could have easily been explained, but even more so at the end. Because this is my problem. He tells Lana, if I don't get Petey to the hospital, he may die. And then at the end of the episode, both Chloe and Petey go to the hospital and have a parasite removed from them. <laughs> yeah. So Lana then knows that Clark was in fact telling the truth about Petey. He didn't know about Chloe at the time. And I just feel like that would have been so easy to explain. And I don't want Clark to lie, but the big emotional thing at the end of the episode is when Lana goes, I know why Chloe was kissing you, but why were you kissing her back? Because I didn't know what was wrong with her. And I was trying to get her to go along with me to the hospital. And I, if I was afraid that I'd push her away, like I pushed away Petey earlier, like it, it would have been so easy for him to craft a, a halfway believable lie. Again, not that I want him to lie to her, but it just yeah. it doesn't. It, I was just frustrated by it. It's good drama. I just hate mm-hmm. how we had to manufacture it to get there. It felt poorly written to me i I just think that falls back to clark's communication skills aren't great right now uh he's he's not the guy who can talk people down from jumping off of a building yet Uh, he's got a long way to go before he becomes the superman we love i guess you know that's that's just the journey if he if he was perfect now we wouldn't be watching the show (laughs) uh but the big thing here is that um pd chloe have sort of teamed up and um pd douses Clark with red cape and a little sliver of it into a shirt pocket. So we get the red K version of Clark, which probably will fit in with this version of Chloe and Petey. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our fourth act, Clark is on the red K. He comes clean to Chloe about his powers and being an alien. Lex shows up and Clark tells him to buzz off. Chloe wants to get caught with Clark by Lana, but he loses his shirt and the red K as Lana stops by. And then Clark gets knocked out by a green meteorite punch. Chloe and Petey get ready to jump the gorge or die trying. 
So mm-hmm. here's where everything comes to a head. Um, so our maladjusted trio head to the barn where we get kind of a fun little scene where Clark and Petey are in on it. And then, you know, Clark even says, I'm surprised she hasn't figured already. And we get, yeah. he hits him with a bat, <laughs> which I, again, I will point out shatters because that's yep. what happens when Clark gets hit with things. Unless the person swinging, it's also really strong, apparently. Um, and then we get the thing that you talked about. Can you fly? I may be an alien, but I'm not a cartoon. Yeah. I, I'm not sure what hitting with the bat was supposed to prove because, I mean, it's it's TV show. That happens a lot, I imagine. And there have been other people. I, I don't know. But um, that that opening move just kind of made me scratch my head. It didn't seem like the right opening move. But then the other tricks that he showed her, it's just yeah. like, okay, yeah, all right. That's showing that you're other and I think his otherness just uh, amped up Chloe's hots for him. Catching things on fire with his eyes. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we have Zipping that, around. that moment where Chloe says, if I fall, will you catch me? And Clark's like, you know, we'll find out. Uh, and I did look on some of the behind the scenes stuff. <clears throat> they had a picture of the uh, the stunt double who actually did the fall. But in the scene where we get the close up of Chloe, uh, I guess Clark or Tom Welling would like sort of heave her up like a foot, you know, to sort of heave her up and then catch her. So when the scene started, she actually was falling down into his arms a little bit. Every oh, time. wow. And she just, she mentioned that that was like a fun thing that they did on that, on that scene for that. <laughs> uh, but before things can get any stranger, um, Lex comes in and interrupts the power fest. And that's where we have our cold opening where, um, Clark kind of tells him to buzz off. He even kind of mentions, like, you'd love to know my secret, but I'm not going to tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's obviously it's a really good scene between them, which is why we did it as a cold open. But was there anything else about that scene you wanted to talk about? I just, I love Dark Clark. Uh, I don't know what it is about Dark Clark, but anytime he's got the red K, like, the stories that uh, are told with him are just so much cooler to me. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why. I think it's season three, like the beginning of, of the next season uh, where he's predominantly dark Clark for a while. Uh, that's some of my favorite in Smallville because he's been dosed with red K. Yep. Uh, so we get a scene with the three of them in Petey's car, oh, excuse me. And they're still chilling a little bit. And then Clark's like, Hey, Chloe, come back here. And they just start hot and heavy making <laughs> out. And again, you gotta feel bad because for Petey, he loves Chloe. We know this. And, Chloe has loved Clark for forever, and now she's able to have that. But it, it's got to be awkward, you know. And I think Petey, that's what he said, like, yeah. in a room. I think mm-hmm. that's as much for, I don't want to see this as much as, you know, anything else. Because I'm sure that it was devastating to him. Probably. Uh, but Chloe wants to go and get caught by Lana. And this is, a, this is another question I have. And I apologize. I, I'm not trying to be super negative or harp on this. But but I don't quite understand. But I'm op- I'm willing to maybe talk about this. How does Chloe wanting adrenaline connect to her wanting to get caught by Lana? I don't think those are actually connected. I I think that maybe she wants Clark and she's willing to get him. If you know if she didn't have any in mm-hmm. her inhibitions, she's inhibited. In a, yeah, I think that's how it works. This just seems cruel for the sake of cruelty. And I don't quite see how it flows together other than she's, she doesn't care. But again, that doesn't really tie into what this thing is supposed to do to her. Those seem yeah. like different things, but uh, it leads to a very devastating and powerful scene. But I just, I don't quite follow the roadmap. The, to me, the, 
Parasite seems to be doing a couple things. They say that it enlarges their what are their adrenal adrenaline. gland, yeah, and feeds on the adrenaline. But then, like, they're all out there seeking their thrills, whatever their thrills are. Um, we've seen that they have different thrills. One guy leaps off of high buildings, another one jumps in front of buses and does donuts, and the other one just makes out with anything that moves. So I think that uh, going and getting caught could be a thrill. Uh, I mean, that might be why some people cheat, because the the risk of getting caught is a thrill and makes it uh, makes it more fun. But then also, I, I do think I agree that Chloe just really, really wants Clark, and she is no longer considering anyone's feelings but her own. And so she's like, I'm going to tank this thing with Lana, and that way Clark's all mine. And it seems to work. They play a fake game of strip poker, which causes Clark to take his shirt off, though Chloe straddles him and pops the buttons off. And uh, again, this is our thirsty moment because, mm-hmm. again, Tom Welling. Thirsty. Dude's chart chiseled from marble. Uh, and we get a great shot of him taking his his shirt off. But then he loses the red K, which actually <laughs> I really like that part. I thought that that was really well written. And so yeah. he instantly is like, oh, God. And he like puts his coat on. And, of course, that's when Lana actually shows up. And um, I think you had mentioned you just really appreciated Kristen's acting here. Oh, yeah. Or Kirsten. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's um, acting was fantastic right there. I mean, like watching it, like my heart broke for her. It just it was so believable. And I I believed that she actually felt those emotions and she was just absolutely devastated, you know, thinking that this thing between her two friends is over and now she can move forward and have a relationship with Clark, except, nope, I can't because you guys aren't done and you'll never be done. Well, and then in again in the show's narrative, just earlier that day or the day before, time's a little bit funny, Clark came in to break off the date in what now appears to be a lie. Mm-hmm. And he's now making out with Chloe, but he's making out with Chloe right where Lana works, knowing, in, you know, yeah. in, in her head, she's thinking they came here on purpose so that I would see them because they want to hurt me. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's it's very cruel uh, to think of it that way. And, you know, you do feel bad for Lana because... She's done nothing wrong here other than trust Clark, which maybe she shouldn't do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Clark runs out to try to stop uh, Petey and Chloe, and Petey just cold cocks him. He's got a <laughs> green meteor rock in his hand and just lays Clark completely out, and this is our unconscious person of the episode. There mm-hmm. might be more that are off screen, but uh, this is very clearly Clark's unconscious. And. I, I thought that it reminded me a lot about um, uh, comics and, and shows where Batman is always trying to figure out what to do in case Superman goes bad. And yeah. so Batman stockpiles um, the the kryptonite and all that kind of stuff. And watching Petey do all this stuff, I was like, you know, we really need an alternate universe where Pete is Batman. <laughs> well, I think in season seven, he does become a superhero in what is probably the worst episode of the entire show. It's a crossover with like Trident Gum, and he gets like stretchy Gumby powers. <laughs> it's so bad. I don't remember it. Good. You don't, you don't want to remember this episode. Uh, so Lana pours a bucket of cold water on Clark, which I really liked. And you actually see as she's walking away at the end of the scene, that it was uh, flowers that were outside yeah. the talent and she just pulled the flowers out <laughs> and 
she, yeah, that, I, again, I hate how we got here, but I love that we now that we're here, I like it. Yeah, um, it's good drama. It's good drama. It's it's like I mean, it's like eating ice cream and then looking to see how many calories it was. Like you enjoy it, <laughs> but then there's some regret. And then the last scene of the act is Chloe and Petey get to the gorge that has been mentioned. It's like Chekhov's gorge. We've mentioned it three times, and uh, <laughs> they're ready to jump it, and uh, they like start driving towards it as we end the act. Uh, mm-hmm. So in our fifth act, Clark saves the day by catching the car because they did not make the jump. Uh, he gets <laughs> Chloe and Petey to the hospital. Lana and Chloe seem to be on good terms, but not Clark and Lana. Of course they didn't make the jump because there wasn't a dip in the road. There wasn't a dip in the road. And they, they didn't have enough lead way. They weren't fast up there. Yeah, this was destined to fail. Yeah. And I think they knew that and they didn't care. I, I mean, I guess there there is a... I, yeah, I don't want to use the word suicidal because I don't think they're trying to kill themselves. They're just trying to get the thrill mm-hmm. and near-death experiences cause those. You know, it's it, it's like they're junkies. They're searching for that first high again, and they just can't get it. Yeah. I, I do think that that fits better to like the analogy of what's happening to them. Like They just have to keep amping things up, and once mm-hmm. they eventually get high, that's gonna, something's going to cause their death. Um, but yeah, that jump was never going to make it no but they don't die because clark catches the car mm-hmm. and you know uh i did again look at the behind the scenes stuff they actually had that car on wires and the actors sam jones and Alison mack were actually in the car oh goodness so this wasn't a compositive uh image and sam jones mentioned that he was not happy did not like this at all was very <laughs> very wanting to get over but my question is this is a perfect opportunity to do a recreation of Action Comics number one, where Superman is holding a car over his head. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they did. I mean, I think it's clearly an homage, but they could have all but recreated it with just holding the car differently. You know, I just, yeah, I, it seems like such a missed opportunity to me. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, unless it was just easier to wire up the car the way they did. I, I don't know. It would have been cool to see that cover in the, in the episode. I mean, of all the times to recreate it, that's just the yeah. That's the time. One. That's the time. <laughs> um, I mean, they could have even done a thing where Chloe gets out and is like, "Hey, jump me," because you know if you fail, you land on me, and then it would be like almost a perfect recreation. Because in the comic cover, there's a I think there's a lady on the ground, and he picks up the car so it doesn't hit her. I don't know. I failed opportunity. Uh, but Clark's like, "I got to get you to the hospital," and then we cut to the hospital. Uh, Chloe is in a bed. She's sort of waking up. I'm not counting her as an unconscious person, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely counting her as a person in a hospital bed. And first time ever, I'm, well, I don't know if it's first time ever. I'm counting Petey in the hospital too, because even though we don't see him, we know he's there. Yeah. And he had the same procedure, so he has to be there. So even though it's not on screen, I'm counting Petey as being in the hospital this week. Chloe doesn't remember anything. So luckily, whatever happened to her, she doesn't recall. So she doesn't know that Clark's an alien that can shoot laser beams from his eyes. I don't think that can last. You know, at least I think we're supposed to think in the drama. I don't remember if she remembers from this she interaction later, but I think we're supposed to think like, oh no, she'll remember in the future. At the worst possible moment, she'll be getting some flashes from her roided out, whatever, <laughs> parasite time. Yeah. Uh, I did really like the, the moment here with Chloe when, uh, Clark talks about, you know, the thing come out of her and she's like, was it gross? And he kind of just that little yeah. moment between them, I thought was really <laughs> sweet. Uh, and then Lana comes by to see Chloe and you can tell right away she's just not having it with Clark, which again, yeah. I think this could have would have been like, see, 
they would have died if it wasn't for me. I saved their lives. I was trying to help my, you know, but he, we don't do that. There was one uh, one little bit when they were talking, um, Chloe and Lana, and she was like, uh, "What what happened with Clark? Oh, I caught him making out with another another girl. Oh, who's the girl? Oh, I didn't recognize her. I just yeah. I love that line so much. Yeah, I did like that as well. Uh, so we cut back to the farm, and the parents are checking up that Chloe can't recall, make sure everything's still okay, and then Petey comes back. And he apologizes, but they, they reassure him that they're still part of the family. And it's a nice little mm-hmm. moment uh, because, you know, like I think Martha says, you know, we always knew it was an unfair burden to put on you. Uh, but yeah, as we will see, it continues to be a burden throughout the rest of his time on the show. Professor Walden stops by the mansion. We learn here officially that the parasites may be of an alien origin. There's no known species like them on Earth. Mm-hmm. And we get a little Lex talking over his shoulder, which is great. And then he says, Before I allow you to continue, I'm afraid you're going to have to make a few concessions, Professor. We've already negotiated my fee. This isn't about money. You're going to give Clark Kent unfettered access to the cave. Just what exactly is your fascination with this boy? My instincts tell me Clark knows a lot more about that cave than he's letting on. And then he turns, and the fire is behind him. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's straight lucifer hellfire imagery it's a little on the nose but also very effective and cool i liked it yeah yeah i did too um that and uh those other few scenes that had the great great camera work i i really appreciated them in this episode uh so we get a, a last scene at the towel and lana's there closing up and we get uh don't dream it's over by sixpence none the richer clark has come to apologize lana says i know why chloe was acting that way but doesn't understand why clark was so again, I don't want Clark to lie, but it would have been very easy for him to, but he doesn't. He leaves her a rose and walks away. Uh, though I notice he didn't leave her the pizza. I mean, she's, yeah. that would leave that for her too. I, I don't know where the pizza went because it didn't look like he had it in his hand when he was walking out either. I, I think he did. I think it was below camera view because the way he's walking, I think he did have it. But it, yeah, still, he should have left the pizza behind. Um, but I do like Lana. She like picks up the rose and she inhales. And there's this little moment here where that inhalation seems to be going on way too long. And it, it looks to me and feels to me like she's hiding almost like a cry. Like she's about to cry. And that, that extra sort of inhalation is actually her stifling that yeah. emotion. And then she throws the rose away. And again, said it many times. I don't like how we got there. But that's a great payoff. I really like yeah. that moment. I just wish we could have got there in a way that made a little bit more sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I I, I really like all the drama between the uh, the women in this episode and then Lana and Clark in this one because that's what Smallville's about. You know, Smallville, <laughs> Smallville's teen drama. It's superhero drama. So here we go. We got a big steaming pile of it in this yes. episode, and it was uh, enjoyable to watch. Uh, so with that, we kind of finished the episode. I, we went through it pretty quick today. I'm, I'm trying to get the episode links back down a little bit. Uh, but circle back, is there anything else about this episode? Uh, any big picture thoughts? Anything we, we miss you want to touch on? Or just overall thoughts about the episode? Any, basically, open floor to talk about whatever you want. Yeah, I just uh, I just had a final thought. It was I really enjoyed the episode. Um, there were lots of ups and downs, lots of drama. Uh, and I really like the drama when I'm in the mood for drama. These kinds of shows really, really hit that mark. Uh, and I really liked the the affirming the affirming family moments um, with 
with the the Clarks, um, with Petey, uh, you know, just those moments, and even the moments between um, between Chloe and Lana, where they were talking about being family or being roommates. You know, there was um, a, a lot of support and love between them all, even with all of the complicated, weird drama stuff going mm-hmm. on. And that was fun to watch. Uh, so then, again, I always like to ask about the man versus Superman thesis. I think this this whole show is an exploration of Clark's desire to be the all-American kid who wants to do the normal things, but he can't because yeah. of who he really is. So trying to look through the episode through that lens, what do you think about this episode? Where do you think it falls, or is there anything that stood out to you? Um, I, I thought the red kryptonite was really, really good to watch the difference between what Clark is and what he's capable of. Because he's clearly two different people um, when he's on the Red K and when he's just normal, mild-mannered Clark Kent. So I I thought it was a lot of fun watching um, the two differences. Like, hey, you're this all-powerful being or you're this really nervous high school kid. Because like asking Lana out, you know, again, he's still Superman in that moment, but he's so vulnerable Mm -hmm. that when he's on Red K, he's so confident. It's it's a very good bit of acting, I think, from Tom Welling on how different those characters appear, the same character appears, different situations. Yeah, it's it's like the Red K just strips away his humanity and he becomes a Kryptonian. Mm, Yes. Kind of looking at it for me, I think this is actually a really good episode to highlight specifically what I'm trying to like get to with those questions, because Clark wanted to ask Lana out, mm-hmm. and he and he worked up, but it failed because of who he really is. Like it, it's it's the Kryptonian getting in the way of what he wants again and again, because if he wasn't who he was he probably wouldn't have been the one chasing Petey down. That probably would have ended in tragedy, don't get me wrong. But if he wasn't who he was, then Petey probably would have just, you know, went on that whole journey and it would have ended. But it wouldn't have had that direct influence on how his relationship with Lana. He he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't have got got caught in what it seemed like a lie, but it wasn't. Uh, The fact he wouldn't have been affected by the red case, so that wouldn't have affected his relationship. If he didn't have these secrets, he wouldn't he wouldn't have to lie to Lana and not and not tell her the truth at the end. And even the parasites are Kryptonian, so mm-hmm. they're they're only here because someone else is trying to protect him in this weird way. It seems like from the future. So I just think this is a, like a really good episode that encapsulates Clark's desires to be Clark versus what he actually is is this Kryptonian heritage and how he keeps getting in the way. So I thought it was a really good episode to kind of just restate that hypothesis right here in the middle of season two. All right. So with that, we're to the pass the torch question. So what would you like me to ask next week's co-host? I would like to know what would you do to get your biggest rush if you were infected with a parasite that removed your inhibitions? Yeah. All righty. I will ask, I think Tom is my next co-host, so I will ask him, ask him that. Nice. All right, so uh, last uh, last chance for social media. Again, you're not active in any projects currently with podcasts, but you do still have some stuff. I think last time you were on, I linked that into the show notes. I'll do it again if people want to go back and listen to your stuff. But if people just want to chat with you, talk about whatever, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm uh, active on Twitter at shark underscore bone, uh, and I recently started a project that doesn't actually have any content yet but i'm uh, going to be working on it um i'm going to be making a character library where i just make characters and write up backstories and plot hooks and put them on a blog so it'll be at sharkbonecharacterlibrary.blogspot.com oh nice 
advice. Uh, I, I can put that link in now, or if you want, next time you're on, we can, if it's actually active, we'll, we'll get that in there for people if they were looking for it. Yeah, my hope is to get the first one up this weekend. I just haven't made the haven't had time to do it yet. Fair enough. Uh, as for myself, of course, my name is Michael. Everything I do can pretty much be found at the RPG Academy, except for this show, which has its own Twitter, its own Facebook, and its own email, smallvillefancast at gmail.com. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to email me there. Um, so not next week, but the week after, I have a new co-host, Christopher, who just emailed me. And it's like, hey, I like your show. We chatted a little bit. And now he's co-hosting. So again, it's just nice. that easy. Uh, so just, you know, uh, you don't don't have to email me just to try to be a co-host. But if you have anything you want to talk about, I've gotten a few emails so far. And again, I, I appreciate and love all of them. Uh, I don't think we've had any new iTunes reviews in a little while. So I think we're still around 18 total through all the places that I check. Uh, so if you're listening and you haven't yet left us a review, please consider doing that. If you listen to us on a place that doesn't have the ability to leave reviews, uh, you can go to Stitcher. Stitcher is free, and you can leave reviews there. Even if you don't listen to us on Stitcher, that can be a way that you can leave us a review if your podcatcher of choice doesn't allow you to do that. Uh, and then just very self-serving, my other world as an RPG podcaster, I recently released a series of trial for the Masks game. Because there was a hiccup in episode 10, I had to re-record it. So when episode 10 was supposed to come out, I didn't have an episode, so I dropped in some Masks uh, actual play from my other show. So if anyone listened to that and you kind of enjoyed it, I am now running a new show live. Uh, it's not superhero-related. It's uh, 13th Age, which is a derivative of D&D. But it's a live show on Twitch every other Wednesday on our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash the RPG Academy. So you can come hang out with me while I run some of my friends through a campaign live, and it's fun but it's also cool to have people hang out with us and interact so that would be cool nice uh, so with all of that just a reminder to stay after the in credits for the scoreboard farm to fable is a smallville rewatch fan cast and is not officially affiliated with dc comics warner brothers television the cw network or any other owners of smallville and or its related source materials as such, these companies retain sole ownership of all symbols, images, names, logos, and other proprietary material related to Smallville. Our use of logos, images, names, likenesses, and sound clips are being used under the Fair Use Guidelines. Our logo was created by Michael Waldschlager II. You can find Michael on Twitter at LoserMLW. Farm to Fable is written, edited, and produced by me, Michael Ross with additional input by weekly co-hosts as credited in each episode's show notes. And now, let's check the scoreboard. Total number of vehicles wrecked. We're still at 33 because Clark caught Petey's car before it could have crashed. <laughs> Total number of times a person was knocked unconscious. We're now at 72 with Clark getting knocked out by Petey's green meteorite punch. So looking at our main cast, Lex has still been knocked out a total of eight times. Lana, 10. Clark now three, Martha twice, Petey now at five, Chloe at six, Jonathan at four, and Lionel at two. And total number of times someone goes to the hospital. We're now at 32 with both Petey and Chloe going to the Smallville Medical for the parasites removal. And while, again, we don't see Petey there, I think the show tells us clearly that he was there for the same treatment. So I am counting it. So looking at our main cast, Clark has been taken to the hospital once after his run-in with Eric. Chloe's been at the hospital now three times, Lana three times, PD now four times, Lionel twice, and Lex just once. And the total number of times Clark tells her show someone other than Lana's abilities, we're now at 29, even though Chloe doesn't remember it.